Hello and welcome once again to the Foundry Church podcast. My name is Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your week with us. Uh, We are nearing the end of our current series called The Many Faces of God, where we've been taking a walk through the Enneagram, uh, uh, just looking at this tool to help us understand ourselves and each other, and ultimately to see the heart and the character and the nature of God a little bit more clearly and in a little bit more depth and detail. This week we're talking about Enneagram 7s, often called the Enthusiast. Uh, These are the people in your life who have that zest for life and want to to see it all and do it all and experience it all. Um, They're oftentimes some of the most fun people in our lives. Um, It's good stuff. We we hope that you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Seth Kane. This is week 10 of The Many Faces of God. Good morning. Welcome. I'm so very glad you're here, whether you're joining us in person or online. My name is... What was that? My name is... Look, I took last week off. I got a bit rusty. You have to stay in the... Happy... What? Welcome to the Foundry. We're all about a better you and a better world. Uh, just a couple of things before we get started. Uh, a few things that I'm so very grateful for for this place, and one of the reasons I love it and, and so proud to be a part of it, is that there's just been a lot of things happening where you guys are like running with things, taking the initiative, getting things done, and, and it's incredible to me. So I want to give a big shout out to like uh, Gary Mond and Steve Moody and all the people that participated, the men, the women, the children, and the plant party last week, last weekend. Uh, and helping to give our, our place a little bit more curb appeal. I'm so very grateful for that, like helping to make the world a better place as well. So that's incredible. And then yesterday we had um, uh, Susan and, and her gang of people doing the Dads for Donuts. Uh, I'm so very grateful for that team of people. Like even though they got caught in the storm and it was like kind of a mess, but like thank you ladies for like doing that and putting that together. It's incredible. And then uh, I want to give a shout out to our men's ministry. And they, they got together uh, this weekend and helped uh, one of our people that needed to help move, get them out of the situation, did all this work, a lot of hard work uh, in the middle of the storm as well. And so, you know, and all three, of, all three of our elders were there sweating it out. Like, it was incredible to see this group of men and what they w- were willing to do. So just, uh, I'm so blessed by you guys. You guys are such an inspiration to me, so thank you. And then, of course, uh, happy Father's Day to all, all the fathers. We are very grateful for you. We need you in our lives. Um, and then to my dad, of course, like, thank you for being my dad and for being wisdom and guidance uh, for our family. Okay, get over it. Also, I didn't get you a gift, so I hope that was worth it. <laughs> um, so we, we started with, with type 8. We're ending with type 7. Uh, next week, we're going to do like a wrap-up and put all this together, maybe a little bit better. Uh, hopefully, that will be helpful. Then the week after that, we're going to start a whole new series that we're calling something, something about a party. It's like party, party people, I don't know, something to do with a party. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm sure of it. I'm super sure of it. Uh, so today we're looking at type seven, which is the enthusiast. So we're going to have a look at what Dr. Deborah Brayboy has to say about the seven, and then we'll get into it. Take a look. 
Hello, Foundry family. Back again. This week we're talking about the Enneagram Type 7, the Entertaining Optimist. Woo! We just have some streamers and confetti because they're the party of the Enneagram. So when we first started this series and um, Seth did the first message about the type eight, he alluded to the fact that there's a reason we start with eights and end with sevens. So I'm going to share what that is. So our Enneagram type eights, if that's you or somebody that you know, you know that they, um, they're blunt, they're to the point, they're decisive, they're impatient. <laughs> they are, give me the information now so I can make a decision, we can move on. So they typically won't wait through one through seven to get to the eight to learn about their type. So what you may notice in podcasts, Instagram pages, um, books, is a lot of times they start with the Enneagram eight for that very reason. Sevens on the other hand have FOMO, fear of missing out. They will sit through all the other numbers because they want to hear about it. They're curious. Um, they like adventure. They like experiences. They want to know about it. They want to know what they're missing out on. So they will sit through all of the other numbers. So we start with an eight. We go through nine, one, two, three, four, five, six. And here we are in a ground type seven. So let's talk a little about the entertaining optimists. So type sevens are joyful, enthusiastic, and social people who radiate optimism in all situations. As lovers of variety, they live life big and they are eager to enjoy all the new experiences that the world has to offer. They see endless possibilities and innovations all around them. Type sevens do not want to be limited, restricted, or bored Boredom is death <laughs> to type sevens. They are constantly battling this anxiety that they will never really get what they want or need out of life. And they'll always have this deep emptiness inside. So to, dis to distract themselves from these anxieties, they settle for any stimulation or experience. The childhood message for a type seven is that it's not okay to depend on others for anything. So a type seven child might think they can't depend on anyone. The core fear is being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited or bored, missing out on something fun. Core desire is being happy, fully satisfied and content. The core weakness for a seven is gluttony. Ooh feeling a great emptiness inside and having an insatiable desire to, to fill themselves up with experiences and stimulation in hopes of feeling completely satisfied and content. And then the core longing is you will be taken care of. So type sevens radiate positivity and happiness, but internally they're always longing for more and they're fearful of missing out to them. Life is kind of like cotton candy, super sweet to the taste, but it disappears quickly and they're constantly unsatisfied and wanting more. When life is hard, they experience a deep internal struggle in their attempt to avoid pain at all costs. When life gets complicated, painful, sad, or boring, which it often does, <laughs> 
Type 7s will then quickly escape to things that please them, allowing them to avoid the painful feelings that they fear. The cost to themselves, though, as they pursue this need for adventure, happiness, and stimulating experiences, is an inability then to enjoy the present and fully be fully satisfied with what they already have. When type sevens are at their best, they are healthy and they can realize that setting priorities and limitations will make them more productive and fulfilled. They remain focused, steady, grounded, and dependable. And they embrace the reality of life facing its sadness disappointment and sorrow and sevens at their best are filled with wonder and excitement about experiencing the joys of everyday life it's truly been my pleasure bringing these enneagram types to you have a blessed day thank you Okay, so in case you uh, didn't catch it, here's the quick stats if you're a visual learner instead of an audible learner. Sevens are a part of the thinking center, the thinking triad, five, six, sevens. Their dominant emotion is fear, their basic fear of being deprived and in pain, basic desire to be satisfied and content, to have their needs fulfilled. Key motivations, they want to maintain their freedom and happiness, to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences, to keep themselves excited and occupied, to avoid and discharge pain. They grow, they integrate towards the five, which is the investigator, and they stress or disintegrate towards the one, which is the perfectionist. So let's go over to our little yarn project over here. Uh, and she mentioned um, you know, the benefit of starting with the eight and ending with the seven. I also think one of the benefits of ending with the seven is when it comes to our yarn and them not having a choice, I'm sorry, sevens, but this actually helps, like, because even if they don't love the teal, they'll, they'll figure out a way to be okay with it. Like, that's fine. They'll be all right. Right? Right, sevens? Hey, sevens, is teal okay? Yeah, see? Go with it. Why not? All right, and so I, I watched how Joe tried to show me up last week and totally messed it up even worse. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he tried to copy me and made it worse yeah, yeah, Steve, can you catch this and throw it back to me? This way we won't get, oh, okay, yeah, there you go. All right, so just hold that, and then uh, you can throw it back up to, what, when I'm looking, uh, throw it back up to me. All right, so where are we, seven, eight, nine? So here's a seven. All right, so when sevens are in a place of stress or disintegration, they will gravitate or take on the unhealthy characteristics. You got it? <laughs> You're doing good, buddy. Of the one, which means that they will become a bit perfectionist. This is like Miami Dolphins colors right there. Go Dolphins. Hey. Um, said no one. Uh, just kidding. Uh, they will They will become, what are we talking about? They stress to the ones, and then they get a bit particular uh, and a bit critical. Okay, But when they're in a place of health, they will grow towards the five, um, which means... Is that the five? Yeah. Uh, which means they will become a bit more focused in what they're doing, and they will become a bit more fascinated by life. Okay, that's good there. Thank you, Steve. You did a great job. You're a lovely, beautiful assistant. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, thanks, Steve, actually. All right. There we go. We'll tie that off for there. 
So uh, I've been blessed to have uh, know a few sevens and have them in my life. Uh, I, I went to college with a seven, and uh, you know sevens are a lot of fun to have around. They're up for anything. They're usually up to something. It, it's like they're the life of the party type people. They're spontaneous. They're high spirited. They're impulsive. They're adventurous. My, my uh, college buddy was a seven. And so one day, uh, we used to go fishing uh, from time to time, and he said, hey, let's go fishing. I said, sure, why not? And so we went out behind the college, and the French broad ran behind there. And at that particular place in the French broad, it was super wide, kind of shallow, maybe knee-deep, maybe waist-deep, whatever. And we'd wade out into it, and it was beautiful, and we'd fish, whatever. But there was also a dam up the road just from the school. And so occasionally, they would let the water out of the dam, and then this nice, peaceful, wide, shallow river would become a bit deep and turbulent, and you wouldn't want to get into it or else you'd be, you know, like swept away. So we're walking along the riverside. I'm in the front. He's behind me, and we're talking. And then we come across, there's an island in the middle of the river, and he goes, hey, we should go fish on the island. I said, that's a bad idea. The water's out. We will get swept away. We shouldn't do that. Obviously, there's plenty of reasons why we shouldn't do this. And as I'm walking and he's behind me, all of a sudden, I hear this big splash, just a huge splash, and I turn around, and my friend has completely disappeared. And so I go down to look at the, like I'm looking on the river's edge, and all I see is he's got his hand with a pole up in this end, and he's swimming with this hand, but the current is taking him, and he started in front of the island, but by the time he got there, he had barely barely caught like a tree limb hanging off the backside of the island, and it was p- pushing him this way as he's trying. <laughs> I didn't go. I, I did not go. Sevens can be a bit impulsive, but they're a bit free. So there's like, it's like this double-edged sword. Like, so you have to be mindful of these things. Uh, most sevens are, they're like the party that's like waiting to happen, right? There's one seven I know uh, who wanted to plan a trip to Maine. And he uh, texts like 30 people and he said, hey, listen, uh, I want to go to Maine. I have a place in mind, but I'm not sure that I can actually get it. And I'm not sure if all of you will actually fit. And you need to bring your own food and you need to bring your own place, like stuff to sleep on. <laughs> Is that a plan? Like, if, if you're a one or an eight or a six or a three or pretty much any other type, that text message would cause you like a lot of concern. Right? But for the seven, like, yeah. We should do that. Let's just, it'll work out. It'll be fine. Just show up. We'll figure it out along the way. It'll be great. Like, this is how they operate. Sevens are smart. They're quick. They're intelligent. They easily pick up on new things. Um, they're fast learners. And, and remember, they're part of this thinking center, right? The five, six, sevens. So all the things are always happening up here. Like, it's happening very quickly. But because they have this wide sense of adventure, this desire to try new things, or they're up for whatever, like, People forget how smart and intelligent they actually are. They're actually doing a lot of thinking. It just doesn't show up the way that you might think. Like my same college buddy, we, <laughs> we were going to his dorm one day, uh, to his room, and, and we were walking down the hallways, and he was just running down the hallway and jumping as high as he could in attempt to bash his head on the ceiling tile. I don't know why. It was just something he was doing. He thought it'd be fun. So he was just running and jumping and running and jumping. And then we walked into his room the next minute and he sits down and he starts getting into this super deep discussion on theology and like the infinitude of the divine. And I was like, wait a second, weren't you just the guy bashing your head on the ceiling? Like, 
But again, this is part of like the double-edged sword of, of the seven. They're, they are both. They are thinkers. They are deep thinkers. But also they are up for just about anything. Um, the, the big issue for the seven, along with the fives and six, because they're the thinking triad, is that they're often out of touch with like their inner guidance. And being out of touch with their inner guidance creates this like deeper sense of fear. It creates this anxiety. And so the seven will attempt to deal with this fear and anxiety in like one of two ways. One, they will like stay busy, like keep their mind occupied, keep their body moving, keep their schedule packed so that they don't have to think about the negative. So they don't have to dwell on that which isn't fun, right? Or what they will do is they will essentially want to try everything. It will be the sense of trial and error so they can learn to know what is best. Because very deep, at a very deep level, underneath everything else, their ultimate feeling is that they're never going to find the thing they're looking for in this life. So they keep trying new things. Okay, so here's a few memes to help us illustrate this. These, these ones were some of the best ones uh, I saw. Uh, sevens. Would you rather be feared or loved? Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one, sevens, their problems? Joking. <laughs> this will fix it. <laughs> if you have the tendency to take stressful situations or bad things and just make jokes about them, like you might be a seven. And it doesn't, by the way, doesn't really work. It's not, it's not helping. All right, next one. Seven's trying to enjoy their weekend alone. This is SpongeBob minding his own business. And then out of nowhere, blam right in the face. The feeling that they must socialize or else they'll miss out. All right, next one. Seven's subconsciously refraining the negative, reframing the negative things they don't want to acknowledge. Therapist. But you saw the red flags, right? Seven's. I thought it was a carnival. <laughs> but you saw it, right? Like, okay, next one, last one, I think. You can't just run away from your problems forever. Sevens, I'm fast. I'm very fast. <laughs> All right. A uh, few famous people that are sevens. Galileo, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, uh, Amelia Earhart, Ram Dass, Timothy Leary, John F. Kennedy, uh, Richard Branson, Susie Orman, Leonard Bernstein, Elton John, Mick Jagger, Russell Brand, seems like dead on, you know what I'm saying? Like Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen, Steven Spielberg, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Mike Myers, Simon Cowell. It's a pretty good list. You got a bunch of variety of uh, careers and, and type people in there. Uh, and then our new kind of one we've been doing is how each type behaves in a particular situation so that we can get a gauge on where we're all at. This is um, when a plane crashed into a desert island, right? Deserted island, whatever. This is how the types might interact or behave. So a plane crashes on a deserted island. Type one, the perfectionist, they keep everyone alive by sanitizing everything. Type two, the helper, making sure everyone is okay and has what they need even if they don't have it themselves. Type three, the achiever, develops a vision, develops the vision and plan for how we'll get rescued. Type four, the individualist, they're searching for debris to decorate and beautify our makeshift hut. <laughs> Thank you for that. We don't need flowers in the hut. We're not going to, no, but it'll make it better. Type fives, investigators, they know which plants we can and cannot eat. There you go. Type six, the loyalist, this one, <laughs> totally prepared for this exact scenario and has packed accordingly. <laughs> Been planning it for years. Type seven, the enthusiast, creates a game, does a dance, comes up with a spirit-lifting group chant, and tells jokes despite others' complete lack of interest. <laughs> take, take it down a notch. Type eight, the challenger, delegates tasks while suppressing frustration at those who aren't contributing. <laughs> and the eight said, 
Amen. Okay, uh, type nine, the peacemaker, <laughs> unofficial grief, counsel, grief counselor and conflict resolver. <laughs> Do you feel seen? Does anybody, I hope that, I hope you feel seen on some of those. I know not all of them are great, but uh, hopefully, if you don't know what you are, maybe that helped a little bit. So our type seven from the Bible is going to be King Solomon. King Solomon was king during like the golden era of Israel, right? Things were great in the kingdom. Solomon loved the kingdom and the kingdom loved, loved him. This was a time of great wealth, a time of great abundance. God had given Solomon his wisdom. And because of this, great wealth and great honor followed. The kingdom noticed. In fact, he was so wealthy and so wise that all like the kingdoms of the world noticed and were coming to seek his advice and, and looking to him to be a source of help. It was like Solomon was like radiating just goodness. He was radiating goodness, and the whole kingdom is like orbiting around his radiance, right? Sevens have this incredible ability with their joy and with their hope and with their optimism to draw people into their orbit around them because what they do is they remind us of the pleasure of our own existence. They remind us that it's good to be alive, in, in 1 Kings chapter 4, we see an example of Solomon's abundance um, and his zeal to experience uh, the pleasures of life in a big way. So chapter 4 uh, uh, gives us Solomon's daily provisions, okay? This is daily provisions for the king, for his court, for the people that were like depending on him. Uh, this is what they required each day. Check this out because this is, this is a bit crazy. This is a bit... This is a bit much, Okay. Daily provisions were 30 cores of the finest flour. This is about five and a half tons of flour. Uh, 60 cores of meal, if you do the math there. I'm not a mathematician, but that's like 11 tons of, of meal. 10 heads of stall-fed cattle, but not just 10 heads of stall-fed cattle. We also need 20 of pasture-fed cattle because th there's a difference. And then you need, you need 100 sheep, plus you need goats, plus you need the deer, plus you need the gazelle, plus you need the roebuck, plus you need choice fowl. <laughs> okay, this is a lot. This is like all the things. This is, this is uh, the good life, right? And this isn't like monthly or weekly. This is daily provisions. Every day is a feast. This is a giant barbecue. They're eating up all the things all the time. Sevens love to experience as much as possible. Like Deb said, there, there's sevens have, uh, they're the type that deals the most with FOMO, the fear of missing out. They want to be a part of things. They want to experience all the things. We also see the de desire to experience all the things for Solomon when it comes to the ladies, Right? Solomon, uh, 1 Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, and the Hittites. Which, by the way, God told him not to marry foreign women, but, you know, I guess that's a different sermon. 11.3, uh, the next verse. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led them astray. A thousand women. That's ridiculous. That's too many. I, again, I'm not good at math, but like that seems like a bit excessive. Apparently, whether it was food or women, Solomon wanted to try all the things, right? It's this zest for life and this experience that can sometimes, like it's fun, but also maybe it can sometimes be, get them into a little bit of trouble, 
right? We, we also know that as a seven, Solomon was always doing something. He was working on one thing, the next thing, and the next thing. Um, but when sevens are healthy, this is like the, the beneficial side, is when they're operating from a place of integration, when they can channel that enthusiasm, when they can stay focused, they're able to accomplish some absolutely incredible stuff. So let me show you a list of some of the stuff that, that he uh, was known to have accomplished in his life, okay? So here's a, here's a small list. He built God's temple in Jerusalem, which took seven years. He built his own palace, which took 13 years. I don't know if it's better or worse that it took him twice as long on his own thing. I don't know. Uh, he was credited with 3,000 proverbs, 1,005 songs. Here's a scripture, 1 Kings 4.32. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and, and his songs numbered 1,005. It's oddly specific. I don't know why. Next one, established and developed trade with other countries. That led to economic prosperity. He in initiated industrial activities, such as the mining of copper. He divided the kingdom into districts for the effective use of resources. He initiated ambitious building programs to fortify the city of Jerusalem, and, as well as other cities. And he had a garden and was knowledgeable about plants and animals. All right, check this out. Solomon, he spoke about plant life. From the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. It seems like he might have been into a lot of things, right? And by the way, this isn't even it. Like, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks again about how much stuff he was into and what he was up to. So take a look at this. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made re uh, reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I, brought, I bought male and female slaves. I had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all this my wisdom stayed with me. Right, so he's, he's up to a few things. Right? This is the tension that sevens live with. This is the kind of the double-edged sword. Like when they are focused and when they can stay healthy, like they can accomplish a lot of things and they can have a lot of fun doing it and they can spread their joy and their enthusiasm to others. But when they're not in such a good place or when they're not in a healthy place, they take that like enthusiasm and it can kind of be used as like a, a way to escape things. It's, it's a form of escapism. Like uh, They're not dealing with their problems. They use it as a way to avoid things, as a way to avoid the hurt, the pain, the darkness. Right? Just one thing to the next to the next and never deal with the thing that's happening. This is why like she talks about the primary sin of the seven is gluttony, because there's never enough. There's never enough to satisfy, to fill the void. This is especially true if they are not sure of themselves or if they are not sure of their purpose. Now, in the next verse, we see this seven, King Solomon, who's kind of looking back on his life. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. But he's looking back on it from a place of wisdom and a place of, like, maybe health. And he says this. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun, right? So he acknowledges this like bit of an impulsive nature. And, and he says, because of it, like I, I went through some things. Like I had to wrestle with some of this because like what, what was the point of all of this? When a seven is healthy, they're able to acknowledge and embrace the hurt, the pain, and the darkness, rather than just simply running away from it. If they're able to do this, 
this will actually lead them to like a, a better place. This leads to a bunch of growth for a seven, right? If you think about like your favorite movies, your favorite stories, um, what you typically see happen is that the hero of the story has to go through a bunch of crap in order to become the hero that they needed to be, right? So sevens, if you find yourself currently in a place of difficulty or suffering or struggle or hurt or whatever it is, don't, don't run away from that. Don't avoid it by distracting yourself with the next thing. Hang in there. Go through it. It's going to suck, but this will be a time of growth for you. You will come out better. You will come out stronger. I believe in you. I believe that you can do it. Hang in there. Hang in there. In, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 9, we see Solomon kind of on the other side of, of some of the suffering, and we see the wisdom that he gains from this. Look what he says. This is what I observe to be good, that is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Ecclesiastes 9, 7. <clears throat> Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. So he's embraced the difficulty of life, and rather than running from it or avoiding it, it brings him to this place of perspective. Oh, I... I should be satisfied with the things that are in front of me, the small things, the ordinary things, rather than being overwhelmed with the feeling that I'm missing out or there's not enough. Like, no, it's, I, can, I can be okay here. I can be, I can be good here. Sevens are full of joy and excitement, and they're ready for adventure. And when they can learn to be fully present with their pain, their gift of joy begins to flourish all the more. Right? So sevens, we, we need you. We need you so bad in our world right now. But we need you healthy because you are the ones who reveal the joy and abundance of God. And here's the thing about God is despite how many people seem to think about God, the God of the Bible is a God of joy and abundance. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah goes to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And during that process, this long process, there's all this opposition against it. And at one point, the people are kind of down and it's like frustrating. And so Nehemiah gives him this speech and, and he gathers them together and he says, hey, go and enjoy your choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those, uh, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is is your strength. The God of the Bible is a God of joy and abundance. And so not only God is God our source of joy, God also gives this joy to us freely. Right? Paul talks about this in the fruits of the spirits in Galatians chapter 5, where he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. I messed them all up, but you know what they are. Against such law, there is, uh, against such law, there is no thing. Against such thing, there is no law. Dyslexia. That's what that is. I don't know what number that falls under. It's all of them, maybe. The God of the Bible is a God of joy and abundance and offers that joy freely. And not only that, but like, sometimes I think we forget that God takes delight in things. God, God delights in creation. God delights in you. The God of the Bible finds joy and excitement and pleasure in things, right? Think about, uh, here, here's a few passages, Philippians 2, 13. This is from the message. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure, 
God is looking for things that delight God. Okay, here's another one. This is the same passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, but it's a different translation. I like how this one says it. Seize life, eat bread with gusto, drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Have you ever thought about that, that the God of the Bible is actually delights when you take delight and find joy in things? Like, yeah. All right, here's one more. Make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God particularly, God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship. God finds great pleasure and great joy in a great number of things. God's creation, you, the worship of God, like that is filling God's heart. Even in the story of creation, on day six, God creates everything. And what does he say? Genesis 131, God saw all that has been made and it was very good. It was very good. That word for good in the Hebrew text is the word tov or tob. Here's what it means. Here's the definition. It's the primitive root. It means good or well in the widest sense. It means cheer. It means be good, make goodly, or it means pleased. It means pleased. The God of joy and abundance creates this place that we get to live in. And when God surveys everything that has been created, God deemed it very good. God was very pleased with what was created. And then the thing is, like we, we talk about this all the time in Romans chapter 1. Paul talks about how we can learn about the creator from the creation. And what is it that we see in creation? We see the creation is a place that's built for adventure. It's a place to explore and to wonder. It's a place that's built for us to experience joy. It's a place that's meant to flourish and to be abundant. Right? Think about the various like, like uh, climates and topography and the biomes found with even just our own continent. Right? Like we live here in Florida where it's like a hot swamp. Right? <laughs> It's a sandbar that we live on, but we can go to the ocean, we can go to the swamps, we can go to like the center where it's just dry and palmettos and what, so there's a vast variety of here. Uh, like last month in May, we went to the Grand Canyon and we're out west and we're in this dry mountainous region and it was absolutely beautiful and stunning, completely different from here, right? Like the dark red rocks with not many trees on them, absolutely beautiful. Like I see all this. And then uh, last, last week we were on vacation with our family, went to uh, North Carolina and so we're in the hills of the mountains of North Carolina and there's just these tall, straight trees with this super lush green canopy and then like we're hiking along these streams and we're playing in this freezing cold, like ice cold water. Along, like, it's beautiful. It was nothing like here. It was nothing like there. Like this continent alone, the amount of diversity that we see is absolutely incredible and it's here for us to experience because this place was built for adventure. We get to experience the joy of the creator. The creation reveals the heart and nature of the creator and I would say based on what we see that the God of the Bible is a God that's full of joy and abundance. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing about it is like the abundance Abundance is such a huge aspect of who God is. Like everything that God created, God empowered to create more of itself. So trees create more trees, fish create more fish, people create more people. Uh, this, this past spring, somebody gifted me like a bunch of heirloom tomato seeds, which might not excite many of you, but I was really excited about it. Woo! Um, so I took all these tomato seeds, like these little baggies with just a couple seeds of each variety. It was like 10 or 12 varieties. And so I planted all these this spring and I got like three or four of each variety come up and each of those 
plants is producing a lot of tomatoes. And so I'm getting a lot of tomatoes of each variety. So last week, you know what I did? Is I took one tomato from each variety and then I smushed the guts out. And you know what happened? I found all these seeds inside of it. And I like could quadrupled the amount of seeds that I started with from one of the tomatoes of one of the plants. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the way the whole thing is built. I started with more than I was actually given because this is how nature works. It's a place of abundance and generosity because God is a joyful and abundant God. Not only that, but like, not only is God is joyful and abundant and, and, and like, has a desire to take delight in all of this. God is full of wonder and surprise. Like, have you ever seen a platypus? <laughs> it's weird. They're super cool, by the way. Like, they can actually hunt without using their sight or their smell or their hearing because of the electronics, like, thing going on in their beak. It's super weird, but they're super cool. Have, have you ever seen a, a, a happy face spider, this thing? It's got, a, this is a real thing. It's got a smiling face. That's, I know that's not his butt, but let's just call it his butt for the sake of humor. He's got a smiling face on it. Or have you ever seen a red-lipped batfish? This is a thing. This is a thing that exists in our world, right? Like why to all of these? Why? Like there's so much weird and wild stuff out there. Like, when we think about the functionality of nature, yeah, we think about, okay, everything has a role and a purpose, and hopefully it's all working together, and it's all connected, and so we have to be mindful of it and all this stuff. But there's also so much ridiculousness out there that I can't help but picture God going like, wait till they find this. <laughs> right? Like, it's like a, the joy of a parent on Christmas morning waiting for their kids to open the cool present that you want to play with. <laughs> you guys don't do that? You don't, you don't buy presents for your kids that you want to... It's like the joy that a parent experiences on Christmas morning for them, waiting on their kids to open the presents. I picture God doing the same thing as we discover and explore and get to see new stuff. And God's like, oh, I can't wait for them to see this. Oh, wait till they get like even further down in the ocean and they start seeing all the stuff that glows. It's going to be wild. Like just the, the joy and the excitement that I believe God has. The creator is the origin and the source of joy. And the creation reveals this incredible aspect of who God is and what God is like. It reveals God's sense of adventure, God's love, God's energy, God's positivity, God's sense of humor and God's creativity, God's great joy and God's incredible abundance. And I don't know about like how much you pay attention to the world, but it seems like we're missing a bit of joy, doesn't it? Like, we seem to lack some wonder. It's almost like we, maybe we've learned too much. We, like, we know too much, uh, and, and we yawn at the beauty and the complexity of the world around us. I also think sometimes, like, we carry this mindset of scarcity like there's only so much to go around. And so we're fighting and we're clawing and we're scrapping and we're getting hyper competitive with one another because there's only so much. And so I have to get my piece. And if I don't get my piece, there won't be any left. It's like we're all fighting for these table scraps. And I just don't see that being how God created things and how God operates, which is why we need the sevens to remind us that there's a better way to live. 
Sevens, we desperately need you in our world right now, but we need you to be healthy because you are the ones that help us to see the good. You are the ones that remind us about the light in the middle of the darkness. You are the ones that are pulling the rest of us out of the the quicksand of despair. Sevens, you are the keepers and the bringers and the givers of joy. And so if you find yourself in this moment maybe being a bit bored or overwhelmed with life, or maybe you watch the news and you see all the bad and the hurt and the violence and and you think, it's never going to get better. Or maybe you feel like you've lost that sense of adventure that you used to have when you were younger. Maybe you need to find yourself a seven. Just hop on the train with them. Because wherever they're going, it's going to be fun, right? Go with them. Sevens are this ever-bubbling wellspring of life. And they reflect and they reveal to us and will probably invite you into the joy and the abundance of God. So if you're a seven, here's a few tips for growth. Number one, observe your impulses, right? This is important. When you get an impulse, you don't have to give into it immediately. Just observe it analyze it. This will help you to figure out like if what's actually good for you and what might not be so good for you. Number two, practice delayed gratification. This is similar to check your impulses, but like just, just slow down just a, just a little bit. Just like, it doesn't have to be rapid fire. Just, 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 just. Number three, choose quality over quantity. More is not always better. Focus on the thing that's in front of you. This will help you to be present. And number four, play out the scene, right? This is, it's really easy to think that like the next thing is gonna be the thing that you actually want and then you get bored with the thing you have and then you have to go to the next thing. And you have done this, if you are a seven, you have done this your whole life, always think that the next thing will solve the problem or whatever. Like, but because you've done that, you know how this goes. You know that that thing is not going to be the thing that makes you content. So if you will play out that scenario in your head, oh, just getting the next thing doesn't always make me happy, it might actually help you to learn to be content with what you have. So play out the scenario. Number, uh, here's your note to self for the sevens. Um, push pause on your plans and be fully present today. Remember, the fullness of joy is found in the presence of God and others. Push pause on your plans and be fully present today. Remember, the fullness of joy is found in the presence of God and others. All right? If you uh, have a seven that you love very deeply, maybe it's a spouse, partner, kid, friend, whatever, here's a few tips to help you love your seven. One, give them companionship, affection, and freedom. Right? Do not stifle them. Do not smother them. Do not try to control them. It won't be good for you. It won't be good for them. Just give them space. Let them be a little bit free, wild and free. That's okay. Give them space. Number two, listen to their stories and their grand visions, even when they seem unrealistic. <laughs> That'll never happen. Don't say that. Just, just listen. Just partic- That's the next one. Participate with them. Whatever it is, an adventure, a new experience, a daydream, just hop on the train. Go for the ride. Live a little. Let your hair down. Roll down the windows. Just be on their team for a minute. 
right? It's okay. Encourage them. This will go a long way. Number four, lovingly and patiently help them stay present because you can't always get on the train. Sometimes you got to like slow the train down a little bit. Hey, we're okay where we are, but do it gently. Do it lovingly. Do it kindly. Don't point out how they've done this before and they'll do it again and don't do that. Just enjoy the beauty that they're bringing to the moment that you have. Yeah. All right. You see, I think the good thing about all this, and we say this every week, and I, I've said it this almost the same way every week intentionally, so hopefully this will sink in, is that this stuff is super helpful when it comes to dealing with people, at least it has been for me, because the things that I may find frustrating about a different type or the things that your type might frustrating about a different type may be, in fact, the things that are revealing something to us about the nature and character of God. Right, so if you find yourself getting frustrated at a seven, because like, why can't they just sit still for a minute? (laughs) Or maybe you find yourself getting irritated because like, how come they can't just be content with what they have and where we are? And why does it, why does there always, why is it never enough? Or maybe you feel like you get a bit irritated because like they're so optimistic about everything and believing everything will work out when clearly the rest of us all know that things aren't going to work out, but they still think it will, but like stop it because we just need the dose of reality. Like no, they're revealing something to us about the nature and character of God. Maybe keep in mind that these things that drive you crazy, the seventh joy and optimism and their incredible positivity is their gift. It's their superpower. They are the ones that have a heart. Their heart is built for shalom. Their heart is built for heaven. Their heart is built for God's intended reality. And that is a world where love and laughter can be enjoyed freely without any brokenness. This is what they were made for. The sevens reveal the joy and the abundance of God. And when I can learn to see this in them, it gives me a greater appreciation for who they are, which helps me to love my neighbor as myself. And when I can learn to see this in them, it gives me this tangible example of who God is and what God is like, what helps me to grow my relationship and my understanding and my knowledge of God, which helps me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, and soul. And according to Jesus, loving God and loving people is like the most important things we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? We are the many faces of the God who created us and whose image that we've been created in. We need each other to be the absolute best version of ourselves that we possibly can be so that we collectively have a more complete and compelling picture of who God is. We're going to go into our time of communion. This is a time where we remember, we reflect, we honor the great lengths that God has endured to be in relationship with us that God offered God's self to us in the form of Jesus, that through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, we are offered freedom, forgiveness, and new life. And so we take these emblems, the bread and the juice that represent the body and the blood of Jesus, that represent the source of hope that we have. And we remember what God has done for us So when you're ready, we'll have our ushers around the room. If you're joining us at home, please grab your stuff. Participate with us in this moment. If you're here today and you need some prayer, maybe you're in a place where you're just like, 
You're like the opposite of a seven, where you see no joy and no hope and no abundance. And maybe, maybe your heart has come a, become a bit calloused over the past couple years. And maybe it needs to soften. If you have people that would love to pray for you, talk with you about it. We've got Scott over here at the prayer wall, uh, or at the cross, and somebody over, not yet. Okay. If you're, if you're online at home and you need prayer, you can type in if you're live. Uh, we've got ministers online that will respond to that there. This is a time uh, where we're going to do our two prayers again, the, the type-specific prayer, which hopefully, if you were a seven, this will uh, connect deeply to you. If you're not a seven, hopefully this will help you to understand where the seven's at. So we'll read that one, and then we'll have our general prayer, and then we'll give you some time and space, okay? All right, type sevens. Dear God, your love and grace know no limits. Your love and grace know no limits. You offer the completion I seek. Gently guide me to my fulfillment that awaits me when I rest in the calm of the present moment. My mind seeks such calm. Empty me now of my obsessive planning and all the ideas that overwhelm me. Soften my fears of missing out so that I can allow my energy to deepen me, not scatter me so that I miss out on the gifts offered each moment. Gifts that lead to my wholeness. Guide me to my heart that I may feel not only my joy, but the richness of my sadness. Deep down, I recognize that it is my sadness that I seek. It is limitation that I desire. For both, uh, for both bring me home to my deeper self, where I find the freedom to be me, Guide me on the path toward reverence. And there you have it, Enneagram 7s. Uh, as I said earlier, this, this is our last of the nine weeks actually walking through the Enneagram types. If you've missed any weeks, feel free. Uh, we, we highly encourage you even to go back through our archive and check them out. You can find those on our website at uh, thefoundryc.org watch. Uh, or on our church center app, or if you're, um, uh, you know, listening to this on Spotify or some other podcast uh, app, you can obviously subscribe to the feed and, and uh, find the show page, all that stuff, and find all of the older episodes. Uh, this is, is such a valuable tool for us uh, as people, as believers, um, as as people who are in relationship with other people who are also created in the image of God. Uh, and so again, we just highly encourage you to, to go back and take a listen uh, to any of the episodes you may have missed and to uh, begin to kind of do the work of, of learning yourself and learning the people in your life uh, that you care about and that you brush up against uh, with regularity uh, and beginning to see uh, the God in them, beginning to see the characteristics and attributes of God that they embody uh, and represent. and. Um, and live out in the world around us. For now, that will do it uh, for this episode of the Foundry Church Podcast. Uh, once again, thanks for being with us. I'm Joseph, and we'll see you next time.